Welcome to another episode of Sanctuary Radio. This is a podcast brought to you by Sanctuary Recovery Centers. Our mission is to break the stigma surrounding addiction to empower others to live addiction-free lives, providing hope to those who suffer from addiction and offer continued care and true healing. So here we are again. We got a, a wonderful podcast lined up today, and my co-host Haley is here. What's up, everybody? Is it Dress Down Friday? It is. Apparently, uh, it is today. Apparently, it is. I was yeah. unaware of that, but apparently, it is. I'm glad your lashes are on straight today. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I really do appreciate that. It's it's funny because I was just talking about how they're falling off because it, we did the podcast. I thought so you were side eyeing me all day, but really, <laughs> no, the lashes it's just were crooked. The lash. Yeah. Okay. And I want to welcome our guest today. Um, you know, we have Megan Racer here from River Source, and she's going to be on our show today to share her experience, strength, and hope, and everything they got going on over there. So let's welcome Megan to the podcast. Super excited. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you being here. And so what do you do over there at River Source? I just kind of want you to lay it out, um, you know, what your role is there, um, some of the daily, uh, you know, job duties that you have, and what you really enjoy about your job. So why don't you share a little bit about that with us so we can get to know you. Okay. So I'm an outreach coordinator for the River Source. Um, Basically, uh, I do business to business. So I'm trying to find patients who need treatment that we offer. And if we are not a good fit, sending patients to places that are. Um, We work with different treatment centers around the valley, um, out of state. I mean, the goal for me is to take it nationally. So I want to know everybody in in the field. Um, I enjoy... Being able to just go into different treatment centers, meet the clinical staff, meet the medical staff, meet the people that work there, and vet them and, and like know if this is a good place for a patient to go. Because I don't have to send anybody there, right? If, it, if it's not a good vibe, if it's not a good fit, um, if they're just in it for, you know, the money, whatever mm. the case may be, if patient care isn't number one, then, you know, I don't have to send them there. And I know because I did the vetting process. So, right. It's very important in our job. Yeah. I mean, it is. And you know, there is an ugly side to, to the treatment industry. Absolutely. I mean, and the more you're around and you get to see it and, you know, so that's why it's so important for us to work together for like River Source and the Sanctuary and New right. Method Healing Center and, you know, all the other facilities because it's a team sport and we work together. And so getting to know each other, having each other on the podcast, um, taking tours. I know Haley, you're out taking tours all the time. All the time. Yeah. When people take tours of our facilities. And so, I mean, you know, that's the most important part. Get to right. know. So you are vetting it properly. So when you send another client to another facility, you know where you're sending them. You know you're going to get, they're going to get it provided. It worries me when somebody doesn't want to come toward our facility or doesn't want to let me come toward their facility. That's yeah. when I, red flag number one, yeah. you know. And you, you're good at recognizing red flags. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting better, Jason. Yeah, so-so. <laughs> it's a lot better than it used to be. It is. So. It is. Maybe I was just attracted to red flags. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll weaponize the program for a minute. Progress, not perfection. Hopefully. That's what they say, right? Exactly. And so, Megan, you know, we all, all of us, you know, we have a story, we have a past, and that's what gives us, you know, the passion to help others. And, and so you have a story too, and we're going to, sh- you're going to share it with us today. So, I mean, you were born out in Phoenix, Arizona, and, you know, the family dynamic, I mean, you had a pretty normal childhood. What are some of the fond memories that you have uh, growing up? Um, so fond memories would be going to the lake with my family, um, we lived out in New, R- New River at a certain time in my life, so we were super close to the lake. Um, mountain biking, my dad taught me how to mountain bike. Um, riding motorcycles, you know, we went to the sand dunes all the time. Um, we did do a lot of things as a family, but a lot of those things involved alcohol. Um, for me, it was about the adrenaline and, you know, having fun, but right. definitely for my parents, it was about drinking. Right. So did you have cool dad and cool mom? 
Uh, I mean, other people thought my mom was super cool. I wasn't a huge fan of her growing yeah. up. Um, we have a very different relationship now, but I, I, I despised my mom growing up. I really didn't like her. Yeah. And so, Haley, have you, I mean, you've been to a lake, right? Yeah, I've been to, you, you're talking about Lake Pleasant, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lake Pleasant, <laughs> plenty of times. Oh, Wickenburg yeah. is not very far I from I just lake feel Pleasant. like when you, from being from Wickenburg, all you really get to do out there is like skip rocks, stuff like that. We ride horses, dirt bikes, we're oh, always you ride a dirt bike, Haley? I, I have, yeah. Am I good at it now in my old age? Do you no. ride dirt bikes like you drive? Yes, exactly. Like I drive. Oh, I was scary. always getting in accidents. We did four wheeling. Like I said, we did, we we're always outdoors doing something. Okay, you're always outdoors. And so how good are you, Megan, at riding dirt bikes? Um, better than me. Right. Yeah. No, I, I had a passion. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was are we talking like, uh, are we talking like, um, racing tracks or just freestyling it? No, it was, you know, all about going out into the desert. It was about, you know, going out into the sand dunes. Yeah, there were like components where we would race and things like that, but it was more of just like being free and, you know, making your own jumps. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, like your own jumps and like Pushing creating yourself your own to trail the limit. out yeah, there. Exactly. It was, yeah. So it was, and it was a way for my dad and I to bond. Um, there wasn't that emotional connection that was there with my father. So this gave me an opportunity as a child to connect with him. Okay, and so now you're out there and you're in New River, but you actually go to, what high school do you go to? I went to Sandra Day O'Connor. Oh, shout out Sandra Day O'Connor. <laughs> Big shout out. You know anyone from over there, Haley? No. No, you ever heard of it? No, not until do she you, mentioned it earlier. Do you know what the name do comes you know from? Who Sandra Day O'Connor is? <laughs> no. <laughs> Someone, you guys oh always have to explain listen. things to me. Please educate me. Oh, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Okay, so like go, high school, I was really into politics, okay? And, you know, the first year that Sandra Day O'Connor was open, I was a freshman, and she actually visited the school, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. She wasn't, yeah, she you're wasn't gonna, a Supreme gonna, Court justice yeah, at the There you go. You got to yeah. explain it all the way with her. She doesn't catch on right away. I didn't pay attention like, in school. Thing. That was not my thing. Yeah. I'm a bad speller, reader. A speller and a reader. I can't read mm. and I suck at spelling. Okay. Reader, yeah. huh? A reader. Did you make up that word right now? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you just connected the dots for me. I appreciate that. Yeah. I keep trying to tell Jason that I'm a slow learner, but he's not picking up on it. Slow so. learner, late bloomer, but you're here. But I'm here. And so. that's the most important exactly. part. And so, you know, what is high school? Because I know you got good grades in high school, right? I did. And you have, I mean, so New River, I assume there's a lot of house parties, a lot yeah. of desert parties, lake oh, parties. Yeah. I mean, what really sticks out for you in high school? Um, just the free reign I had, I guess, when it came to being at home. Um, my mom didn't really want me out, but she was okay with me being home. So like having house parties when they were gone, because they were gone a lot. Um, they made decent money and they wanted to enjoy their time away from the house. So having alcohol readily available, you know, we had a whole liquor cabinet and it was kind of at my disposal. It wasn't like I was going to get in trouble if something was missing. Um, so I definitely turned to alcohol when I was younger. I enjoyed it and, um, it was okay to do. Right. Yeah. So you really started, I mean, really for a prolonged period of time of just drinking and you didn't have to like, you know, drink the vodka and then fill it back up with water. Did you? No. Haley, did you ever have to do that? My, my parents never drank vodka. So no, oh, my it, was boxed, oh, oh, it boxed, was boxed wine. It was boxed wine yes. or like Budweiser, Coors Light. Natty uh, Ice. Listen, my uh, mom yeah. called it the udder. So, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there was a running joke that Carol has the udder. <laughs> and so, you know, eventually, though, you know, we start to continue to 
Um, if you're anything like me, you know, I start to, you know, seek validation through others and relationships come into play. And, you know, depending on the way I view myself, you know, I was actually a late bloomer in high school. I wasn't the most popular kid. And really, and Jason? So I was a, I, yeah, it's true. Was it that that's one? A shocker hi- it for was you. that one high school party, right. though. Yes, it was that one yeah, high school that's party. What, that's what really blossomed, Jason. <laughs> yeah, turn it, tune into the other episodes and you'll be able to hear all about that. But that's another show, another time. Um, and so ultimately, man, you graduate, Megan, you graduate from high school. I mean, did you mm-hmm. get, were you on the honor roll? Gosh, I don't even remember. I know I, I did really well my senior year. Um, I put in some effort, didn't really have to put in too much. Um, but, you know, then I went to Arizona State University. Oh, shout out Devils. <laughs> ASU. ASU. I do know that, Jason. You do know that? Yeah. Okay. I've lived in Arizona my whole life. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. So you go to ASU, but... You know, just like I was kind of talking about, a relationship happened. So from what I understand, you were like a gym rat. Yeah. So when I got out of high school, I just found a really big fascination with um, powerlifting. Oh, we're talking powerlifting? <laughs> like talking powerlifting. Like full-on powerlifting? Full-on like, powerlifting. Like deadlifts and oh, like yeah. Listen, jerk so, and clean? Or, um, so when I when I found the gym of my choosing, I was just like, this is, this is love. Like, I love it here. I love the people here. Um, I got into a group of bodybuilders that worked out there regularly. You know, these are the guys who've got the chalk flying everywhere, throwing mm. the weights, grunting. They've got their, you know, knees bent or bent, wrapped yeah, up wrapped and things up. like that. So um, I really, you know, I, I was kind of a thicker girl back then, um, kind of muscle runs in my family with women. So I, I just kind of went for it. Um, I started, let's see, I started on with squats. And they were like, okay, well, let's see how much you can do. You know, I don't remember how much I did, but they were impressed. And I was an 18-year-old 18, 18 girl. So um, so I just kept going with it. And, you know, we do the bench press, the deadlifts, all of it. Um, I mean, I didn't continue with it. Like, I never competed, but I worked out a lot. I got really thick, very muscular. And I was just like, hmm. This maybe, isn't really... Maybe too much. Too much. Yeah, um, maybe too much. And you started working at a nutrition shop? Or yeah. Which one? Uh, GNC? No, it was it was Tommy's Sports Nutrition. I was going to say, was it like one of those Herbalife shops? No, no, no. It was kind of like a one-stop nutrition. Um, and this was like a, you know, he owned it himself. Like, it was his store. Um, he used to, you know, compete in the bodybuilding world. So he wanted to open up his own place. Well, that's pretty cool. And so most people, whenever we start to talk about, you know, what happened to you, and usually it's, well, see what happened is I met this girl. Yep. Or met this guy. (laughs) I met this guy. So you meet a guy, right? So how do you meet this guy? Oh man. So I met him. Should I say his name? I mean, that's up to you. Right. I mean, we don't have to give him a shout out, but you mean, you can say his name dead so oh r.i.p yeah r.i.p shout out anyway (laughs) um so i met i met this man um i was working at tommy's nutrition store and he walks in and i was just like oh who is this man (laughs) and um you know he came in a lot after that and we both worked at the same gym or worked out of the same gym that was right down the you know in the same plaza and he asked for my number and it was kind of over after that point like we spent every day together oh you so you made your first connection to a higher power yeah oh absolutely yeah. i know something about that yeah you know about that 
You've had like three higher powers at one time. Oh my gosh, Jason. I mean, that's That me. was a conversation between me and you. Oh, that's right. I apologize. I shouldn't have put that out there. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> you know I get carried away sometimes. That's okay. I and, forgive you. And so, you know, when we get into a relationship and a lot of times we're just, you know, enamored by that person and we just fall head over heels for that person. We tend to overlook things right. um, that we see red flags. Mm. We, yeah, yeah. We overlook. I'm just a walking red flag in general, so. <laughs> we're not going to go there. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to leave that one alone. That's fine, Jason. And so what was that relationship like with him? Mm. Um, it was very controlling on his part. Um, you know, that worthiness component. I was, um, I don't know, I was just a very depressed person. I had no worth and I didn't know how to create that for myself. So I sought it in other people. So if this, you know, very attractive male is wanting me, then I must be worth something. Um, and, and that's just kind of how, how my life was, you know, I, I sought, I sought worthiness in other people. Um, but yeah, you know, he was very charming at first, very, very charming, um, had a great family and, um, and then the true, the true person mm-hmm. came out later on. Yeah. I can relate you, to that. Yeah, you can relate to that. <laughs> Do you want to share about that, Haley? With my ex-husband. Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing. Very charming. Mm-hmm. Great family. Loved his family more right. than I loved him, I swear. Seriously. And then, yeah, the crazy came out. Yeah, and so his crazy actually person. does come out, Megan. What's his crazy look like? Uh, so I I was very naive. Um, I was a pretty sheltered child, mm-hmm. honestly. And so I didn't know too much about drugs. I really stayed away from all of that. And, you know, he had, like, told me bits and pieces, like, oh, I, I can't, you know, do any opiates. Like, I got to stay away from that stuff. You need to stay away from it. And I just was like, oh, okay, I don't really know what that is. Yeah, whatever that means. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, he come to, like, looking back at it and, like, going through everything I've gone through, I'm like, oh, he was definitely on cocaine at this time. <laughs> like, yeah. definitely, yeah. you know. There were some crazy nights where I'd come home from work and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're trying to kill yourself? Why are we doing this? Right. You know, and, like, trying to prevent this, like, 250-pound man from ending his life it it just situations like that or he'd become super violent and I just wouldn't understand like what am I doing you know because it's me it has to be me right um when it's his it's his stuff so did you start using with him yeah um he, he was the first person I ever used with um he brought I remember one night, so I get home and, and he has like, he throws this coke, well, he doesn't throw it, but he puts the cocaine on mm-hmm. the table, right? And he's like, okay, so try it. And I was dead set up until that point that I was never going to try drugs. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, I guess so. You know, he's saying it's okay. It must be okay. And I did it. And I just remember like, I could see, I could picture right now. Um, I just remember doing it and being like, oh God, that's not going to be enough for us tonight. Yeah, we're going to need <laughs> more. I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. Right. Yeah, that's, why I'm a, that's why I'm a meth addict. <laughs> 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 like instantly hooked. And like, I guess I, I used to do when I worked out, right. I used to um, take like, oh, I don't even remember. Supplements. Like, yeah. Certain supplements that were legal at the time. I would take those a lot. So kind of looking back at it, I already kind of started with stimulants that and stuff. stimulant addiction. Um, and then taking cocaine was just a different story for me. I was yeah. like, oh, 
And I then, like that. Yeah, <laughs> so when we start to look back, you know, after everything we've been through and working in this field and, you know, working a 12-step program like what we all have, and uh, we start to understand that we got that mental obsession, that physical right. allergy. And when I look back, I could see it through all the different time periods. You know, as soon as I start, I just, we got the disease of more. And, 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 you know, you start to experience that right away. Ultimately, you know, he ends up, uh, you know, cheating on you and mm-hmm. bounces out to California and you don't see him again. You ever talk to him again? Um, I, he doesn't hit you up on like MySpace or fate. MySpace right back in the day. Um, so he, so he used to travel for his job. So he met a woman who was working at a strip club in California. Perfect. Oh, shout out to the dancers. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Are you My, looking at me? <laughs> no, I didn't even look at you. <laughs> he, he glared right at you. Girl. Listen, listen. I was never a stripper, Jason. No. I can't dance. No, I know. I, I have no rhythm. Okay. Well, the look on my face was, I was like, damn, my wife's going to hear this. And you know what's funny thing? Just, <laughs> just a little side note. I tell directions by strip clubs. Oh. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know where that's at. <laughs> the candy store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Past the candy yeah. store. Yeah. Union yeah. Hills and Cave Creek. I know where that's at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. And so, do you, you know, does each ever try to reconnect with you? Or what happens is actually is you meet another guy right away. Yeah. So I met another guy who actually worked in the same industry that he did. Um, that was a pretty toxic relationship. He was in recovery, but was drinking, right? Oh, he's Demi Lovato sober. <laughs> and California then, sober. <laughs> some like, you know, traumatic events in his family occurred. He went straight back to heroin and it was just like my first inter- introduction into the hardcore drugs. Like, oh, wow. And I had already been like dabbling in opiates, but I didn't know, I didn't know about the crossover and what heroin looked like. Um, so, you know, I left him and then, I don't know, five months later met my children's father who also knows the ex before him. It's just, they all knew each other. They're all intertwined. I, they all spot each other at the gym. No, oh my gosh. Oh. no. Oh. <laughs> only one gym rat for me. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just curious. That's funny. And uh. so now you got the new guy in your life and, you know, you're doing, you know, harder drugs and full on addiction happens. And, you know, just like everything, you know, once we start, you know, using drugs again, it's all gone right away and you drop right. out of school mm-hmm. um, and you get pregnant. Yeah. So what was that time period like? You're pregnant and you had a drug addiction, you know, how does that all play out? Yeah, so I, I dropped out of ASU my senior year, um, and then I was going to ASU for criminal justice, and then um, I realized that I'm pregnant, and I'm about two months pregnant, and I, I don't know that there's a way to stop using. I just, I don't, I don't know this world yet, but like, I know I want to stop using, right? but my mind, I mean, I, my body's craving it, and my mind's craving it, so... And I, I continued to use until my daughter was about seven months. Um, and then I just stopped. Um, I, did, I, I mean, I knew that CPS would be involved if my daughter and I both tested positive for opiates. So um, that was the motivating factor in that. So about two months after my daughter was born, um, her dad came back around and he, during my pregnancy, was on heroin. And I was getting super fed up with it. And so my smart idea is like, well, I'm going to do it too. Yeah, we might as well do it together. <laughs> you ever said that, Haley? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've like literally uttered those words before. <laughs> well, like, Fuck it. If you're going to do it, I'm doing uh, it. Yeah. Load me up. Yeah, you if, you're, if you're going to load me up a shot. <laughs> At least still be home tonight and we'll be able to do it together. That exactly. At least he won't leave if I just am sitting here getting high with him. Or maybe he won't beat me as bad if I'm not nagging him so much because he's always gone or whatever. I've literally been in those. Yeah. Same situations. How many times? Too many. Too many to count? Too many. Okay, let's do prison math here for a second. You just, how many times? 
how many times? Yeah. Literally. Every time? I mean, probably, <laughs> I probably relapsed one or two times with him like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's usually what happens. It's so hard, man, to, to have a relationship with, a, you know, someone in active addiction. While you're trying to stay sober. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's just, you know, we would never suggest that to anyone. Um, and so... It gets bad, though, just like everything does, and CPS does get involved, right? And so what's that look like for that time period? Um, so CPS was involved for about a year and a half. It's kind of the average length for a case opening and closing with them. Um, you know, dad kind of bounces around. So he was in Missouri when the case opened. He came back to Arizona. Um, and we're both, you know, we're, we're doing what we need to do to get our daughter back. Um, he and I weren't talking we hadn't talked for probably a year and one night we uh we see each other at task oh task big shout out <laughs> to yes, task are we talking I, they about, did just shut that down yeah it's a better health now <laughs> is that a whole different location i think it is yeah, yeah. and so i remember i used task. to have to test at task for my my uh, dcs case on yeah. Myr- were you at the one on myrtle the one downtown i was in mesa oh you're in mesa yeah okay i'm not familiar with the one out there so you end up i mean what a better place to run into I someone know, at task love look, at first sight again look at us we're doing so good <laughs> we're both sober now all right well <laughs> i mean i was like, he was iffy it was yeah. a little touch and go right and so you know you end up seeing him again you you know you go through the cps process you get custody and then you run into him again and then, you know, it's it's on again and you get mm. pregnant again. Right. And so now you got two kids. Now I have two kids, um, a father who wants his daughter but doesn't want his son. Um, you know, during the process of me being pregnant, he, you know, tries to unalive himself. Um, and he was unsuccessful and he just he took off at that point. You know, he did what he does best and he went to Missouri. Um, so at that point, you know, I have my son and my daughter, I'm trying to raise two kids on my own. It's hard. Um, it's very challenging. I, I was sober. I was happy. Um, I was doing a program. I had a lot of sober friends around me, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to bring dad back into my kids' lives. Like I wanted my son to know his dad and, you know, dad's making it very adamant that he doesn't want to be in our son's life, but is okay with being in our daughter's life. And that was just very confusing what's the, for me. What's the, I mean, uh, what's the reasoning behind that? Is there one? I don't know. Mm. I really don't know. It, it's still to this day, it's very confusing. My daughter's about to turn 10 and my son is sick or he's, yeah, he's about to turn seven in a little bit. So it, it's challenging. Um, I, I don't understand the logic. Mm. Yeah. Usually it'd be the opposite with the dad they want a son right so interesting to me yeah so i got two girls and you know i don't know if i want to shoot the dice on you know trying for a boy you know what i mean i don't know if i want to go there quite yet listen your chances of getting a boy are probably slim to none you already have two girls i'm just throwing that out there is it worth the gamble? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know yet. I'm just being honest. That was oh, my no. dad. It's, that was my dad. My dad had soon. two girls, and, and he was like, we're going to shoot for a boy. Third girl. Now he's got technically four girls because he has my half-oldest sister. Yeah. So he's got four daughters. Well, my brother's got three girls. You know, mm. the owner of our company, shout out Joey Landon. He's got girls. He's got all girls. One on the way. His third one. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go there. But so you're, you know, for about a year and a half, two years, whatever that time period looked like, you're pretty much a single mommy. Were you working at the court system, I hear? Yeah. So I, like I got a job. Superior court? I got a job through Maricopa County um, clerk of court through the superior court. So I was working in um, the adult court in Mesa. Mm, I might have called you a couple times. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Asking about court dates. Yeah. So Off Havelina? 
Uh-huh. Oh, I know where it's at. Uh-huh. You ever been there, Haley? No. You've transported somebody there. Maybe. Yeah, Probably. You have. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. You never caught any cases out of Mesa, did you? No. What about Wickenburg? I keep telling you, I've never been arrested. The only case I ever got was domestic violence, and it was because I took the charge for my ex-husband, and that was Yavapai County. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're the type of girl that takes the case. (laughs) Yeah, I was literally like, I I love him. He didn't touch me, and I'm literally bleeding Mm. out of my head. I go get five staples. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you're getting domestic violence then. Yeah. You know, and I think Rough. that it's it's safe, you know, to say that everybody wants to have both parents in the lives of their yes. kids. I think we all want that. Exactly. We don't want, you know, broken homes, especially if we come from broken homes or, you know, like my case, my parents are still married and 45 plus years. And, you know, that's what, you know, we see or we see the divorce and the trauma that happens to the kids. And we don't want that either. And so right. ultimately, you're, you know, he comes back, right? Yeah, so dad comes back around in the picture. Um, I put a lot of effort into having him come back. You know, I would call him for a good straight year, and he he was making some just crazy threats. You know, he was like, hey, I'm getting this life insurance policy. Oh, it was on some Dateline shit? Well, he's like, I'm going to get this life insurance policy. The kids are going to be set up. Don't worry about me. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Um, So there was a lot of crazy going on for a good year. He finally comes back around. Um, you know, I've got both my kids and he he stays for like a good eight or nine months. And during this time, like my world is turned upside down. Like I'm, you know, I have a steady job. I have both my kids. I'm sober. I'm working a program to, you know, dad's back in our lives. Um, I relapse on alcohol with him on like a camping trip. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was a couple of years sober. And at that point it was like, for me, when, if, if my sobriety date's gone, like it, yeah, I mean, I'm already, you know. right. You might as well just go all the way. <laughs> yeah. It's There's like, no yeah. stopping me. Yeah, like it, it used to justify it over. Yeah, in prison. I'm like, well, if they call me for a UA, I'm already dirty. So I might as well light that whole cup up. That's awesome. You know, I might as well go, go full throttle. Right. right. Like that energy drink of yours. I drank right. thought <laughs> it was for me. Stole my yeah. energy drink. Yeah that, yeah. that happened today. That was pretty funny. I owe you an amend. You didn't deserve to be treated that way financial <laughs> immense too you owe me three dollars i owe you three dollars <laughs> and so he comes back just long enough to get you strung out again oh did he and so you know you i'm safe to say that the job doesn't hang around how many jobs you've lost Haley? me yeah i've lost more jobs do you see my... another girl at this table named <laughs> Haley? <Sorry. laughs> i've lost actually more jobs in my sobriety but i just really i was talking about really <laughs> How do you manage that? <laughs> okay, listen. So I was talking about it with a friend uh, yesterday. Sometimes God closes one door and opens another door, and mm. He literally led me. That's a good way to wrap. Because I would not that. have, I would not have left those jobs, and they were not healthy jobs for me. And ultimately, but I've been fired from two jobs my entire life, and it was yes in my sobriety. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you got here. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. God, you know, that, pushed me along through the doors I needed to go because I was just going to stay where I was at. So. Yeah. So you know, you're here. I was one of them. Okay, I'm going to explain one. One was an office job where I had to sit in front of a computer and I literally, he's like, you're a good worker. You have a great work ethic, but you're just up moving around too much and talking too much. He's like, you're distracting everyone else. I'm sorry. I have to mm. let you go. Some things haven't After changed. After 15 days. I'm just messing with you. 15 yeah. days? You didn't even know you yet. <laughs> I had to move. I just can't sit still. So it's okay. it's fine. And so you end up losing your job. Right. Um, or you quit your job I or quit my job. So yeah, I, I was, I was that person that was able to live a productive life. Right. And then go bang out some heroin. 
Yeah, you, I mean, you were getting high in the courthouse. <laughs> yeah, I was I was getting high, um, you know, I was withdrawing, and I'm trying to sit next to the judge, and I'm just, like, feeling so sick. And there's definitely people who pick up on it, but nothing was ever said, nothing was really ever done um, until, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be this person and, um, and, and have this monster inside of me, right. basically. I got really tired of it and I quit my job. I, I cashed my 401k out. And um, once that money ran out, I, I figured working for the cartel would probably be a good idea. I mean, you go from working in the court system for working for the cartel. How do you make that phone call? I mean, you definitely don't look in the classifieds. <laughs> no, just. Uh, you you had you a guy? Yeah, I mean, you're in the drug world. Yeah. And so when you say working for the cartel, what does that mean? Um, Working for people who live in mexico are we talking about agua, like agua prieta nogales tijuana the like what um, were you doing so it was the yuma area um and it was basically supposed to be like an introduction and this is kind of the life-changing moment that happens but you know i go to mexico and and it's it's supposed to be like i said that introduction kind of telling me like what's going to happen what everything's going to look like what i'm going to do um, and I'm there for a couple of weeks. And weeks? We're talking in, weeks. in Mexico for a couple of weeks? Nice. Like kicking back on the beach? No. <laughs> like no. like real no, Mexico. I, <laughs> right, real Mexico. Like border town Mexico. <laughs> okay. Like, crazy. like you're in a motel with like three channels? Um, I'm in one of the hotels that they own. And it's, um, I mean, the hotel is, is more like a place where, you know, you get a room for a night. Oh, oh, I see what oh, you're saying. Oh, you know about those? Do you know about those? Do I personally? Right. Have I experienced it? <laughs> no, Jason. Okay, just wondering. Okay, so you're out in Mexico. Yeah. You you know, you've got this bright idea. You're going to go work for the cartel. I mean, make some money, get free drugs. Makes get sense. Get really a good does. connect. I mean, we're going right to the source. We're cutting all the middlemen out. We're just going to go straight down there and we're going to get a job with them. And so you go down there and, you know, what ends up happening? Um, so I go down there and, you know, they have me there for quite a while. They give me a truck and the truck starts acting up and I let them know and they're like, okay, well, we're going to fix it. And then we're going to have you go back to Arizona. And I was like, I know okay. what, what happens here? Right. You know what happens here? <laughs> yeah. They didn't actually fix it. They, they just, didn't fix it. They just <laughs> loaded <laughs> it up with wrong. drugs. Um, so, you know, they were like, okay, they bring it back, they fix it. And, um, so they're like, you need to go tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I need to get drugs first selling yeah, uh, before I cross the border. Yeah, I don't want to so. go with a sweat mustache looking like I'm about to die of being dope sick. Right. And, and I mean, the way they explained it to me, because I let them know, because um, we did a couple of test runs over the border before I actually was going to do anything. And, you know, I let them know, like, hey, the last time that I went, they took me to secondary, which is like, yeah. where they bring the dog out and they do a more thorough search. And I'm like, this truck isn't good. Like, I need to go back and get my car and we can do this. Um, so they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll do a different job. Like, just go to Cali. We have some money that needs to be picked up. Come back and then we'll move forward. Like, okay, I can do that. Um, so they want me to leave that night. And I remember, like, I needed to get my my stuff. Like, I was really coming down at that point. And so they, um, I'm, like, driving to this guy who's American. 
and he's like hiding out in Mexico from the feds. Mm. <laughs> and so like I drive into his house and they find me, like they find me on this like back road and I'm, they're following me and like flashing me to get over. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like freaking out, crying. And they're like, you need to go. Like, I just need to get my drug. Yeah, I need to get well for I'm not doing anything. I have to get well. I'm not doing anything until that happens. Um, Yeah, so, you know, I I go back to the border and they bring me what I need. I do what I need to do and I cross the border. Um, They send me over to secondary and... So something I uh, something I didn't tell you guys, um, my children were with me the whole time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so my kids are with me. I've been there in those situations, like yeah, not so exactly, but we. It doesn't mean we're I, bad moms, yeah, right? Yeah. No. We're just we're just <laughs> under this you know, the addiction, like right. that's the, that's the, the most important thing to us. And that's why we can put our, our kids like, you know, I, you talked about using when you were pregnant and I, I, I used with my son, my oldest son until I was six months pregnant. Right. So I know exactly where you were at. Like I've been in that situation. Yeah. So, you know, the doctor's opinion tells us that the doctor's theory of drugs and alcohol interests us as layman as our opinion of its soundest may of course mean little, but as ex problem drinkers, his explanation right. makes good sense. It explains many things for which we could not otherwise account for. So when we sit here and we talk about these types of things and it's like, who would do that? Right. right. You know, the things that I've done and put my kids through my daughter through and my wife through and my mom through and stealing all their stuff and boosting with my daughter in the car, or in the shopping car. And I think about those things and, and I think about them like, damn, I'm a piece of shit. Who does that? Right. right? right? But it's not the case because what it is, is I'm in the midst of a physical allergy called craving and I'll do anything I can because I have a disease of more. So we're not bad people. We're sick people with untreated illness. Since you've gotten sober, you haven't taken your kids to Mexico and try to cross the board with 89 pounds of meth have you no yeah exactly so yeah, because, we don't have <laughs> because we don't do that anymore right? right so we're not bad people just during that period of time we're sick right very sick and so mm. so here we are and you, you're getting ready now and you're going to cross the border you're in secondary now and so yeah um so you know we're in secondary and i thought it was going to be pretty routine like it was the first time um i i get out of the vehicle they tell me to get out with my kids and you know, I, I see that they're bringing the dog and I'm like, okay, this is no big deal. And then I like see them waving down everybody. Yeah. You're like, Uh-oh. oh no. <laughs> Red flag, huh? Haley. Red flag. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Run. <laughs> um, so, you know, they luckily like kindly did not arrest me in front of my, my kids. Um, they made them as comfortable as possible. They have cots there and they had like coloring books and, you know, stuffed toys and whatnot for them. Um, I had to call my, well, they called my mom for me to, to get my kids. They did not call CPS. Um, I, I, something greater than myself. I don't know. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. Um, so yeah, they found whatever they found in the truck and, you know, I had some stuff on me, but, um, they didn't find what I had on me. So they put me back in the cell and I just said, screw it. Like, I'm, I'm just going to take what I have. And, um, you know, this was back in 2018, so I didn't really know what fentanyl was, but apparently that's what I had. Um, so I had a, you know, a fentanyl pill and a, like a little thing of meth, and I had a thing of heroin, and I just swallowed it all and was like, all right. Yeah, all right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start this journey. <laughs> what happens, happens, man. You know, and a, a couple hours later, like, they let me know my mom's on her way, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, how do I, how do I get past this moment? Yeah. Like, how do I show my face to anybody ever again? 
Um, and so they, you know, they take me back and they explain what's going on. And they're like, yeah, there was 89 pounds of meth in your truck. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> what are you talking about? I just got it fixed at the yeah. shop. <laughs> See, what had happened was. <laughs> I, was I was a freaking mess, man. Um, I'm trying to come up with a story off the top of my head, and it's not making sense. And I just, I was like, okay, I guess life is over. Like I, Yeah, I'm busted. There's nothing, I, I don't, how do you get past 89 pounds of methamphetamine in your truck? Yeah, the only way you get past that is doing some prison time. Right. That's the only way you get, you ever transported any drugs, Haley? No, but it's kind of funny. You know my sister, Paige. Yeah. Um, that was her first charge ever at 16 was crossing, you know, illegals across the border okay. and heroin. And that's what her first charge was. Really? At 16. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what so. they do. They, you know, they, and that's the best, I mean, it's, right. it's sad to say, but the best type of cover, what they look for is, you know. Young uh, women. Mm-hmm. Young women with their kids in the car. They'll never suspect it. Right. You know, but, you know. God has another plan. And so you end up sitting in Yuma detention for a while and, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get out on pretrial services. And when you get out of pretrial services, where do you go? Um, so on pretrial services, I was able to go to Crossroads. Mm-hmm. I went there for four Shout months. Crossroads. Mm-hmm. Right. Crossroads. <laughs> Marcus. My, yes. Um, and I, I don't know, the, just like a cosmic change happened. Um, I, I know when I got arrested, I didn't want to be sober. My grand idea was like, the judge is going to let me out when I go to my first hearing. I'm going to cross the border, find a gun, shoot them, get my dope and come back to America. Like those were the thoughts in the first couple of days and, you know, coming off of heroin was just insanity. And then once I, you know, had like a month and a half of clarity and went to crossroads, it's like, I want to be sober. Right. Holy moly. Like I want to do this, you know, like I don't want to die. Like, that was my thing. I, I didn't care if I lived or died. Like, I didn't want to kill myself. Like, I didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to do I life. That feeling. Yeah. I, I hated who I was externally and internally. And I, I didn't want to do it, you know? And drugs were the only solace that I could find to do life on, on life's terms until, like, I got into the program and, you know, I started working my steps and fellowshipping and finding out that like I can have relationships with women and then I found out I can have other relationships <laughs> with women yeah I mean that happens no, it, it does it does Jason are you surprised <laughs> no I'm not surprised I know you fell in love in the med line several times Haley in my all women's uh, in all women's right. yes, it happened. listen at a time crossroads did not have cameras okay yeah. <laughs> it looked like the playboy mansion over there at crossroads in Mesa that's funny. Did uh, you go to Flower or the Mesa. the Mesa one? You went to the one in Mesa, you know. And so, you know, anytime, you know, we're we're fighting a case, you know, being in treatment and completing a program and doing all those things is, and going in and, you know, going to prison or going to court sober with the fellowship behind you and doing all those things, you know, that is the most important thing because that's what recovery teaches us, right. to identify a problem, get to the solution. Before I found recovery, it's like problem, I'm going to throw some more problems on top of here. I mean, when I went to prison, I had I was out on three different cases and then caught another case. Yeah. made it even worse caught an eight-year prison sentence kept getting high and kept getting high yeah. overdosed got came right out got high again um you know but unfortunately when you get caught with 89 pounds of meth coming over the border you end up you're going to go to prison no matter what right, right? and so how much how much time did you get um i was sentenced to 30 months in prison um i did about half of that sentence um 
With the federal government, they have this program called RDAP. Mm -hmm. It's like a residential drug program. Um, I spent about a year in that program. Yeah, it's a long program. Yeah. And then when I got out of prison, I was on home confinement. And so that was another seven months of like being on home confinement as well as doing the RDAP program. So like in total, basically, I did like two over two years of treatment. Yeah. And honestly, like I don't I don't know. I don't know if I would have made it if I didn't have that. Right. Like, sometimes long term care <laughs> is necessary in yeah. most cases. There's never enough time in treatment. Right. No. I mean, in, in both of our different facilities, you know, there is never enough time. When I think about the, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever it was that I was out there. And if I think that 90 days is going to just cure it I all. Mean, yeah. That math don't check out, no. you know, and so no. there's never enough time. So when you go, when you're on house arrest, did you get reconnected with a sponsor and start working your steps again or you know, were you just utilizing all the different things that you learned while you were in there, making plans for your future? Yeah. What'd you do on house arrest? Catch up on Netflix? No. So, um, as soon as I got out of prison, you know, I went to the halfway house for about three months. Um, that's because you have to co- go to a federal halfway yeah, house, right? Yeah, you have to right? go to a federal halfway house, um, for like a minimum of three months. Well, mine was a minimum of three months. Um, and that's when COVID hit. So the first two months we were locked up, like yeah. we were just on lockdown, um, the third month though, I was able to get out and get a job and I'm like, cool, <laughs> get me out of here, right. man. Like this, it's, it's rough. Yeah. It's rough because you have, you know, you have men and women that live there and they're from every level of the prison system for the feds. So I'm this minimum security, you know, yeah. <laughs> inmate and you have these high, you know, maximum security women and men that are living yeah, you got with you. You got red rum rolled around over there. Red rum. Don't, oh Just my for old God. I can't believe that's another podcast. I can't believe you did it again. <laughs> oh red rum. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. Please don't. God. <laughs> show some restraint Listen, please for once show i would some hope restraint. you would want my you know my personality to shine through yes. a little bit yes i do like yeah. when your personality shines i'm through. a little dorky it's fine quirky i guess is mm-hmm. the, is and the so word. when you talk about getting that job was the first job that you got when you were able to work there was that in treatment yes so um i started off as an overnight bht um i i disliked every second of being uh, working overnight yeah it's pretty rough it's it's super rough I just I you know I went from a year of waking up at four in the morning you yeah. know having a super strict schedule going to bed at like eight o'clock well nine o'clock because we had yeah. to count at eight but yeah. you know that was my day so to to try to do overnights was very challenging but I knew that I wanted to work in this field and what I made knew, you what made you decide that you wanted to work in this field um Cause I didn't want people to have to go through the struggle I went through to get it. And if I could start sharing my story of hope and a promise of freedom that like you can live from, you can live addiction free and be happy and, and sometimes upset and like going through the motions, but like you're sober at least, you know, if I could show people that there's a better way to live, then like that's where I'm at. I think that I think that's for for all of us who work in recovery mm-hmm. who struggled previous. The majority of pretty much everyone, minus maybe like the clinical director, maybe um, we've all have a past. We all have a story, and utilizing our past to help others, our past right. becomes our greatest asset. Because that's a million dollar question: like, how do you forgive yourself for the horrible things you've done in the past? I wish it was as easy as doing a fourth and a fifth step, and all right. of a sudden, poof, it's gone. But it don't work that way. It's helping others. It's helping others. Being so that every time I get to sit down and be of service and do a fourth step or a fifth step and share those things and you know what happened with my kids and what happened with me and the things that I've done what I'm doing now is I'm creating a new attachment right. and it becomes it doesn't make it okay 
It doesn't make any of that stuff okay, but what it is, it's just not holding power over me. I become grateful for it because now all three of us, because of our past, are more qualified to help others. Right. And that's where the passion for the job comes from. And it's, you know, recovery is a, you know, a selfish, selfless thing, right? We do it because we don't want to, then we go help someone, but we get something mm-hmm. out of it the yeah, whole time. Selflessly, self, selfishly, yeah, selflessly, mean, selflessly. And, th- and that's, go. and that's how it all works. And so, you know, you find this passion for recovery, you know, and ultimately you land at river source. And so yes. kind of talk a little bit about what the progression was for you, where you started. Cause you don't just get to be, you no. know, business development overnight. Don't work that way. No. You know, <laughs> so you definitely have to climb a little oh, ladder. So you let's have to talk. climb and, and, and yeah. <laughs> Sometimes claw yeah. that part. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, you know, I started off as a BHT and then at the facility I was working, um, got promoted to like supervisor manager of that house. Um, I really enjoyed that role. I liked working the inpatient, um, but I wanted a different experience. So I went to another facility and I, I started off as a K or a behavioral health tech at that um, detox I was at. And then like a weekend they're like, Hey, we need you to be a case manager. Like you, you know, you've got something and I, we think you'd be good at this. And I'm like, perfect. Like, yes. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, that's usually how it is when you start any position in treatment, (laughs) there's not a lot of training. It's kind of like here, throw you to the wolves, figure figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we can figure it out, right? Especially as addicts, we're qualified. Like we, we did whatever we could to get our drug. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure we can figure out how to get someone their ID and like, you know, get them to social security on time or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, a beautiful thing happened when I started doing case management, um, you know, we're required to send patients once they're done detoxing off to other facilities. And it was my job to ensure that they got into a facility that best matched with what they wanted. Um, so then that turned into, okay, well, I need to figure out a way to contact these facilities and to make this easy on me. So they're like, I can make this easy on the patient. Um, I think that's actually where you and I, that's how we met. She was a case manager Uh at the detox. Oh, that's where you, Mm -hmm. you, what you were a client. No, I was no. Oh. Oh. no, I was working for Sanctuary yeah. in oh. admissions and she was actually oh. sending us a lot of referrals from yeah. Virtue. Oh, thank and then you. I sent my sister you're welcome, there. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh. So she was, you know, helping with my sister and care of my sister as well. So oh, I thought maybe you had on those those socks that have the grip on the bottom. I mean I've the kept socks. my yeah. ones from when I had Jace two years ago. Oh, you so. still are you wearing them right now? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're sparkly shoes. But yeah, uh-huh. I definitely I don't know why. I, I've always kept the ones from the hospital when I had my baby. So, and it's crazy. It's, it's crazy how everything works out. So you get this case management job and now what you're doing is you're building relationships mm-hmm. with other facilities and you're starting to create that network. And that's what business development is all about is networking. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you started to do this job and then what happens? They see the value in what you got going on. And then do you take another step after that? Yeah. So, um, at the time our business development director, um, JT, you know, I, w- I would reach out to him because we had like, all kinds of patients, right? We took access, we took commercial and all of that. And um, I, I took direction from him. Like, what what would you suggest? Like, what would be a good fit for this patient? Because um, I don't know these facilities. I haven't met with them. I want to meet with them. Um, what do you think? And, you know, he and I started talking and he kind of told me about what he does. And I'm like, oh my God, that's that's what I want to do. Yeah, like, let's do that. That's yeah. what you do? Yeah, you go out and have lunch and shake hands and kiss babies. <laughs> and kayak. And get, and get some phone numbers. Listen. Are we talking he- about that JT Linton dude? 
Oh, you mean no? What, what's his name? JT. Uh, I know you sent me the number about sixteen times. I call Haley for everything. I should know all this stuff now. I can't think of his last name. But oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I call him all the time. You know, I call Haley. She sends me all these numbers. That right. sounds familiar to me. But um, and so then that leads to admissions, and then so, yeah, I mean that honestly, it led to like a hybrid position. Um, he had ended up leaving the company. I stepped into business development. I had no idea again what I was doing. Um, I stepped into admissions as well and I was, I was working a lot, you know, yeah, you seven were. days yeah, I, a week, I, I get that <laughs> all day kind of thing. And it was scary. And I was dealing with out of network benefits. I didn't know anything about insurance. So like, I, I guess for me, that's the best way for me to learn is just kind of jumping into it. Just do it. Just do it. And I mean, I have a wealth, like a wealth of knowledge. There's still so much to learn about the Always. treatment world and mm-hmm. insurance and all that. But very thankful and lucky that um, I've, I have that knowledge. It's not something I thought I would want. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> but here we are. And so that's the same with case management. It's knowing, you know, the right people to call. Mm-hmm. It's knowing how to get through to DES. It's knowing all the different sober livings. It's networking with right. everyone, right. how to get into social security, make it happen right away. You know, it's knowing how to do all those things. Then leading into business development, it's all about the relationships you have, knowing right. what insurances they have. That's why I call Haley all the time. Who takes what? How can we get? Who's our point? To contact Literally every, there. I would say every other day I get a call from Jason. I'm like, we should know. You should just, right, you yeah. should know this you by del- now. I've always, I wondered, do you not delete, do you delete your text messages no, every I don't. night? So why don't you just scroll through? Because you always text me with nonsense. That's I'd have to true. scroll through like yeah. 40 messages to <laughs> find true. that one from two days ago. <laughs> That's why. That's true. And I like to call you, That's you know, true. especially on a Sunday, say three o'clock Because you end. just like listening to me yell at my kids. Yeah. Is yeah. that yeah. what it is? That's pretty much all a Sunday <laughs> looks like. I was yeah. going to say, Megan's called me. I'm pretty sure when I'm at home. With my kids. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need to record that. I need to <laughs> secretly record one of those and we'll use that as a podcast intro. Oh my gosh, that'd, that'd be, be something. And so here we are now and being here with you today and working for River Source and being business development and, you know, coming to networking events and doing all these different things. So I want you to take just a moment just to share about River Source. You know, what do you guys offer? What kind of programs do you have? You know, if you're residential, mm-hmm. PHP, IOP, what do you guys do over there? Just give us a kind of brief overview of River Source and what you guys got going on over there. Okay. Um, so super blessed to have, have landed this position at, at the River Source because it correlates with a lot of my values and my foundation that I created early in sobriety. And that was the goal, honestly. Right. It's like take the jobs that you don't necessarily want with the companies you don't necessarily want to get to the one you do who shares those values with mm. you. Um, and I was blessed enough to find that at number three, you know. And so with the River Source, we are all in network commercial insurance. Um, we don't utilize any out of network benefits. We definitely take weird policies that a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, and it's not about the money. So with the river source, we offer full continuum of care. So we do detox, we do residential. Um, those are both in Arizona city. So it's oh, far shout away. out AZ city. I know where that's at by <laughs> Listen, Eloy. Um, uh-huh. it, like it's so it's, it's far enough away to where people don't necessarily want to leave AMA or yeah, against clinical advice. You ain't trying to AMA over there. Not in no. AZ city. city. No, no, not now. Not they got that one. They weather. got that one community store with a liquor store on the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little Caesars in there maybe. Yeah. And there's like a dollar, dollar, yeah, dollar general, general that's there now. And I so love how Jason knows exactly. Yeah. I know right. where it's at. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that just says a lot about me. It does. It says yeah. a lot about you. Yeah, it does. I've been out that's there. Funny. And, um, so you guys have detox yep. residential. 
Detox Res. They're in the same building in Arizona City. Um, generally, it's about a 37-day stay. Uh, we prefer patients to stay there the full 30 days sure. for their residential stays. So if they, you know, hit 28 days, you know, we'll, we'll pick up the rest of the days. Nice. We want them to finish that 30. Um, and then once they complete residential, we have a PHP and IOP program in Gilbert. Oh, nice. So um, once they finish there, then you transport them out to Gilbert. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. And Just that's, a little bit. I mean, so the magic really starts to happen inside the inpatient facility, right? Um, we have a, an amazing alumni program. Um, and shout out to our alumni coordinator, Kim. She's yeah, freaking shout amazing. Shout out, Kim. Oh, my gosh. So every, you know, every week we bring in a meeting and this meeting is held by previous alumni. Yeah, that's great. They need to see I that. I love it. They really do. To Arizona City, mind you, and these people, like a lot of them are in, in the East Valley or wherever they're at and they're taking the time out of their day to bring a message to these people who really, who really need it. Like that's what I needed. When I was in treatment, I needed somebody to show me like who had four or five, six months, like you can do this. Yeah. Because that's, that's the, obtainable. That's the visual is, proof, yeah. you know, for us. Um, and so you guys got, and that's the best part, just like the sanctuary has the same thing. The river source has is you have every level of care. We don't have the mm-hmm. detox, but we have the, we do work with, we work with plenty of different detoxes. Right. So we have the ability to get you in, but then you got the residential. Then you take the next step, which is the IOP PHP, uh, type of program. And then from there, once they're ready and they got the foundation set and they've got a little bit more freedom, they've got a little bit more tools and they've got a little few more days under their belt. And then now it's the next step, which is sober living, you know? And so you guys have all those things things and you know it's just really great to see you know because a lot of times people just have one or the other then what then what do you do you're missing a whole step when you start in one program it is so good to finish your care in the same program instead of jumping from different place to different place right well and so so if somebody does finish our full continuum of care right starting all the way from detox to res php iop um and they they finish that if they relapse within their first year they can come back. Nice. Um, we don't bill insurance and we don't charge them. Wow. We want them to oh, be that's sober. That's great. Right. Wow, yeah. So when I tell you like River Source, it's not about the money. It's about the patient it's really care. Not. It really is. It's like hard that, to find. That shows you right there. Like it, it, we just want you to be sober, man. And if it's not with us, like we have amazing referrals that are reference in the community that we can send to you that we've already vetted. Right. That we know will be good for you. Yeah, I'm so grateful we had you on the show because Me it's too. hard to find that. That's why we both work here. It's because it's the same thing. Client care first. And, you know, re- I mean, it definitely shows that that's what you guys put first. And typically, I mean, I'm not going to get into all that, but it's it's hard to find. Let's really just say is. that. Uh, yeah. I don't want to blast anyone, even no, though my no, ego wants me to. No. <laughs> but I, mean, I would never do that. No. And, and the cool part about it, I mean, that was huge for me. Like, I just, I want to have that power. A little... That sounds bad, but I want to have the power to choose who I want to work with and who the company I'm with works with because um, I've been through enough stuff. I, I've seen kind of how the treatment world operates and it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm yeah, not playing like sketchier side. Right. I'm yeah. not playing that. Like, do you put your patient first? Like, what is your motives and your goals and all of that? Um, let me meet your medical and your clinical. Let me meet your case managers. Like uh, uh, there's nothing behind it other than like, I just want to vet who you guys are. Yeah. I just want to see what's genuine. Yeah. That's all I really need to know. So let me come out there and see it. There's no better way than to actually see it. Um, And so, 
you know, that's important really to get out there and do those things. And, you know, where can people find you at? So, I mean, if you want to throw out some, that's, that's the whole point, right? To have you on the show, to, to hear about your story, you know, if you become visual proof to others, everything you've been through and here we are today, the position you have, how hard work pays off, program recovery, taking action, doing all those things. And you have a beautiful life today. But when people need to get into the river source, how could they find you? Where do they got to go? And how can they reach out to you? Yeah. So if um, anybody wants to like check out the website, it's the rivers, the riversource.org. And you can kind of see the different facilities that we have, um, see if it's a good fit for you. The admissions line is 623-471-4304. You can also reach out to me on my personal email, megan.racer at the riversource.org. Um, or I have, we have our LinkedIn. Um, I have my own personal LinkedIn where I, I do put a lot of stuff on about recovery and about the river source and things like that. Yeah. So if anyone is out there and you guys want to get into the river source, you need help, you have questions, you want to get in touch with Megan. I mean, reach out, um, you know, message her, call her, email her and just come out to and be a part of it. And so Haley, where can they find us at? They can find us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all at Sanctuary Recovery Centers. You want to put your personal cell phone number on here? <laughs> My personal? No. no. Hold on. Uh, it's, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's frowned upon. Yeah, it is frowned upon. I'll just mess with you. And so, Megan, I just really want to, it's really nice to meet you. It's the first opportunity that I've ever had to meet you. I'm super grateful that I did. And uh, thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate you you being out there. Thank you. See you you next time.